Shalom, Mishpacha. Shalom, family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpacha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. And I'm speaking to my friend Gary Whetstone, who has been a guest on Messianic Vision and It's Supernatural before. But uh, I have to tell you, Gary, your testimony of, of you coming to the Lord and what God did in your life should be a movie. I'm sure I'm not the first one to tell you that. Absolutely, Sid. There is such a tremendous demonstration of God reaching the lost today. If only the church could know that God's grace has been poured out to the lost world, especially those who are out of reach of humanity. As a matter of fact, I asked you before we went on the air, uh, did God show you what is going to take place this year? Uh, how, 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 uh, how would you phrase that? The Spirit of God has revealed it in my spirit that there is an awakening in the body of Christ to the supernatural person of Jesus Christ in the power of his resurrection, that today the church is experiencing a freedom from all the religious overtones, all the quagmires of human manipulation, and they are coming with a passion to experience the life of Christ Jesus. And that anointing, Sid, is pouring out through the body of Christ and the world because the Spirit of God has been poured upon all flesh is at a place where they're ready to be harvested. This is the time where the church is in its finest hour to speak a word, bring darkness to banish and light to bear in the power of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. I am so excited, Sid, I can't stand it. You know what? I, I, would, I wouldn't make that statement, but I would say I am as excited as you are right now, and I understand what you're saying, because I believe that we are going to see the greatest, greatest turnaround, really, uh, 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 in America. Uh, President Obama at one point made the statement, we're no longer a Christian nation, and I am believing that that we're about ready to see the greatest move of God's Spirit in history in America, and uh, he won't be able to say that anymore. Absolutely. You know, this is not a time for the church to look at what the world has done. This is a time for the church to look at who Jesus is within them. There is greater grace available in the resurrection of Jesus than through his death. Oh, that's an awesome unveiling in the body of Christ. Well, the same spirit that rose Messiah Jesus from the dead, it dwells in you. It dwells in me. I mean, and if, 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 that, if Jesus could be risen from the dead with every sin and the whole world's committed, with every sickness the whole world is committed, that is power. And that same power resides in you. So there is nothing that the church, the believer, is limited in. They are unlimited with abounding grace, penetrating. They walk into a room. Jesus is made to them wisdom, righteousness, redemption, and sanctification. Jesus walks into any room, and he is there as the ransom 
for every man's sin, delivering them, whether that believer knows it or not. Christ is in them, doing the work. All they need to do is say, Lord, what are you doing now? And they will move with him, they'll speak with him, they will do with him what they could never do before. This is an hour for the church to rise and acknowledge the greater one inside than ever before. Now, we'll talk a little bit about uh, about your series we're making available called Make Fear Bow. And there are many Christians that say, well, I'm not that fearful. That's not one of my problems. Oh, are you stepping out in what God has for you? Are you willing to take risk? Is something crippling you from fulfilling your destiny? Yes, it's a powerful enemy, and there's a way to make it bow in your life. Now, Gary, uh, I'm going to take you back. You're a young young person. You're in school. Uh, your grades are good. You're, uh, you're an athlete, and your whole world turned upside down uh, when you had an accident uh, with an auto. Tell me about it. Fifteen years old. I am captain of the football team, president of student council. I'm second seated in the state of Delaware in lawn tennis, held state records in swimming, and I drove my right arm right through my back. My my shoulder bone was sticking out my back about eight inches. Next, I, I, how, how did that happen? I, I, I was sledding. I was going down a hill sledding as a, as a 15-year-old enjoying the day. Next thing you know, a car pulled out, and bam, I ran right into the car. Hmm. I went to stop myself by putting my arm out, and that drove the arm right through my back. That was the end of tennis, the end of football, the end of swimming, the end of everything in my life. And, and, and that was his world. He was an athlete. That, that's what people knew him by. And it's all out the, the window. And your, your brother at the time was involved in a motorcycle gang. You, you, go, you go as rapidly as you were being an all-American boy. Uh, you went to uh, almost a gang member. You drugs and uh, uh, dealing guns and the sex. The thing I did, Sid, I, I found my identity shaken and crashed. You know, so many people today, they find their identity by what they do, who they are, how other people interact and relate to them. That was my life as a teenager. It was by my grades, by my popularity, by my successfulness and my achievement. And the next thing I knew, everything was gone. My brother was running the Pagan Motorcycle Club in the region here, and I just said, I mean, it was like I just gave up on everything. Sid, I went down, crash, burn, flat out into drugs, drug dealing, drug using, and I went insane. I was like a mad dog. I used to carry a three fifty seven Magnum in my back of my pants and a Derringer in my boot, and we had hundreds of thousands of dollars in our car. I mean, we were making serious money. But my mind, Sid, was gone. I was like a raving animal. There were no morals, no values, nothing. I, I know what it's like when we talk about the gun, gun violence and the shedding of blood on the streets of our nation. I know what it's like for a kid to walk up with no attitude, no heart at all, and say, I'm going to pop you and just pull the trigger and blow another person apart. I've seen people die at the end of gun violence in my life. And I saw in my life, Sid, the most heinous life come crashing into my life. I became, I can't say I'm a victim, but I became the product of the drug culture, the torment culture, the violence culture, the self-seeking culture, and my mind ended up being totally demonically possessed. Uh, you, you tell me real briefly about the time you barged into someone's house 
uh, and uh, you, you were so confused in your mind, you thought this man's wife was your wife. Explain. Yeah, I, I just, I'm walking by the street, and I'm hearing these voices rage in my mind. So I bust in this house, and I said, she's my wife. they got to realize, I'm 17 years old. I'm not married. But these voices in my body and my mind were speaking so powerfully. So I go, and I go to grab this woman. Her husband fights with me. I kick him, knock him across the floor, knock over their fish tank, throw over their, their things. Next thing you know, I'm running out the, the front door again after I beat the guy up, and I'm up against a fence with a cop, and he's got a shotgun in my mouth, and I just kicked him right between the legs, and I just screaming, go ahead, kill me, just kill me. I just rage within me, wanting to die because of the vile torment that was growing on in my mind. Well, needless to say, they institutionalized him, and uh, they, at that point, they had banned lobotomies, but they had a more sophisticated way of doing it, an electronic lobotomy. It would have made him, it was really, literally reduced his mind to a three-year-old, uh, but uh, two days before you were ready to be, have your mind permanently reduced to a three-year-old, which, I mean, that in this day and age, it's, it's so hard to believe that they ever did this. Um, what happened? 1971, here I was in the mental hospital. I've got long hair in the, down my back, long beard. I'm going to the bathroom in the same pan I'm eating out of in the isolation ward. And they led me out of the isolation ward, and I, I went into a solarium area. They had hand restraints on, feet restraints. I was You could kind of get the picture with the shuffle that mental patients have with their head right. on their chest. And they, they led me in the isolation area and, and this out of it into a solarium area where another person was sitting. And, and I remember the guy saying to me, he said, Gary, the power of sin is going to kill you. I thought he was talking about the procedure they were going to do. My parents had signed a waiver from the state and the federal government that if they killed me or permanently maimed me, they held no legal recourse against any organization. I was a complete guinea pig of the government. At that point, I thought he was saying sin was the procedure they were going to do in my brain because every person in that mental hospital that ever had that electronic penetration in the front lobal region where the electrode probe goes in and fries that part of the lobal front region, every one of them died of brain infections. And I knew it. I knew my sentence was there. And when he said, sin is going to kill you, that's what I thought he said. I thought he was telling me and giving me a prognosis, a declaration, I'm about to die. But something happened. He said, but if you'd repent and receive Jesus Christ, I didn't understand who Jesus was. I thought it was a cuss word growing up. I mean, I had no religious anything in me. Next thing I know, I, I'm on the carpet. I'm crying. And I, I, I remember picking my face up off the carpet. And my mind was back like when I was 14 years old before I had the shoulder accident. And I, I looked through my drug-glazed eyes and all the torment that was going on that was now ceased. And, and I said to him, I said, what happened to me? And he said, you're saved. I said, what's that? He said, you're born again. I said, what's that? He said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't have time. I have another appointment. I have to go. I said, you can't leave. You don't know what happened to me. I, 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 you, what, what, I, that. He gets up and leaves. He said, I had no idea what took place. I, I, I did not know what saved meant. I did not know what born again meant. And I wasn't too sure who Jesus was. But then you go to the doctor. You know you don't want your mind reduced to a three-year-old. You know they don't, you don't want them destroying your brain. And you know that now 
you, you, you have your mind back. Uh, what did the doctor say? Oh, I went. <laughs> I baked on the window of that isolation ward till blood ran down the window, and they finally let me out the next day. And as they led me into the, the chief psychiatrist, I sat in the chair. They took my hand restraints off and feet restraints. Uh, uh, hold, hold that thought. We'll be back on tomorrow's broadcast right here. But Gary has a book and four CDs. It's called Make Fear Bow. And you have no idea how fear is stopping you from fulfilling the destiny God has for your life. And no more. Fear is going to bow in your life. Trust me, this is the most brilliant teaching for such a time as this. Available for a gift of $45. Make Fear Bow. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697 1-800-447-2697. He finally gets to talk to the doctor because uh, they're ready to do this procedure. Uh, and what did you say to the doctor, Gary? You Now you know you're in your right mind, but what did you say? I'm sitting in my right mind, and I'm in front of the doctor, and I said, you know what happened to me? He looks at me and says, well, what makes you think that you have a sanity now? You're sane now. I said, listen, I, got, I prayed with this guy, and I asked Jesus in my life. <laughs> oh, I can imagine what he thought. <laughs> well, well, he says to me, he says, so now you're hearing voices from God. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's it. I'm hearing God talk to me now. My, my mind is sane. It's, it's like it was when I was a child. It's clear. I think clearly, he said, so you think this is God in you now? I said, that's it. You got it. And I saw him put his glasses down over his nose and sit back in his chair, scribble down something on the pad, and I got the picture. He did not believe me. Sid, this rage rose up on the inside of me. I lunged over the table. I beat that man in the face, busted his nose, blood everywhere. He hits a panic button, and off I go. Man, they shoot me. They hit me, and I'm down, man. With drugs, they shot me up, and I, they put this straitjack on me and pull me back out of there, and I'm, here I am, going back to my isolation ward. And as I'm going, my mind is all foggy from the drugs, and, and, I, and I'm like, oh, what happened to me? I, how, do I, how did I get here? How did I beat that guy up? Why did I do it? Have you ever acted like the devil after you got born again? At any rate, so here I am, and I, I'm just minding my own trying to figure out what's going on with me. And I, I'm in a corridor going down to the isolation ward, and I hear this voice because the, the, the guard let me go. He took the restraints off my hands and feet. And I hear this voice clearly speak to me, run. And, and I'm thinking, run? Now, I'm used to hearing voices, by the way. I, I remember I'm sitting at a mental hospital. I'm totally insane. And they're going to give me an electronic lobotomy to take me out permanently. I'm hearing this voice saying, run. Well, I've got 15 feet back and forth. If I run, I'm not going to go anywhere. I got four foot wide. If I go back and forth, I can't go anywhere. So I stood there in the middle of the hallway, guards on each side looking, and I said, where? I looked over on my left-hand side. It was late November 1971, and I remember seeing the door unlocked, and that usually had two deadbolts and a padlock. And How in the world could it be unlocked? I have no idea. I, there, that, this is a high-security mental institution. You do not have unlocked doors for, for the dangerous patients. <laughs> oh, yeah. These are for those who have killed. These are those who have... These are the heaviest of psychotic, multi-schizophrenic people that are on the face of the earth, and this door is unlocked. 
So I start running across the field. It was snowing out, but I've got the Property Estate Hospital shirt on, Property Estate Hospital pants. Of course, you don't have shoes and socks because they don't give you know they don't give <laughs> ties to uh, mental patients. They're afraid they'll hang themselves. And so I'm running, and I remember when the cruiser brought me in, the, the police cruiser. I remember there was some trusted patients in one sector. So I'm trying to get my bearings, and I and I recognized there was an area. And it's snowing out. I mean, I I am running. And I, I ran over to where there was a commissary, and I started running in. I said, I'm on a run. Next thing I know, these guys started saying, run, run, run. <laughs> in a mammoth chant, run, run. One guy throws a huge blue peacoat over on me. Another guy gives me a set of shoes. I had been size 16. I wear a 10. And I throw these coats on, clothes on, shoes on, and I bust out the other door, and now I'm heading to the gate. Now, you got a guard shack there, barbed wire all over the place, and I'm thinking, Oh, he's going to think I'm escaping. So I tuck my beard in the coat. And I put my hand in and lower my face, and I raise my, my hand and say, Hey, Bob. Next thing you know, the guy opens the gate, and I'm out of that mental hospital. I escaped because the voice of God spoke run. God knows who are his. God knows how to reach people in darkness. God knows how to break the bands and the shackles of oppression off people's minds that have been tormented by the enemy and bowed down. And I ran out in the middle of the road. I'll never forget this. And the next thing I know, I watched a car run right through me, and I'm standing on the side of the sidewalk. And I thought, what was that? Years later, a lady in my church who had edited the book that you have here available called Make Fear Bow, she had been in our church and said, oh my God, you're the redheaded man. She was a doctor degree psychiatrist, psychologist in the hospital. She was the one who drove through the redheaded man, pulled off the side of the road in a total panic, thought she killed the guy, and an audible voice of God spoke to her and said, he is mine. Do not turn him in. And she was paralyzed with the verbal voice of God, the audible voice of God. And she never reported me escaping from the mental hospital. It wasn't until she was in our church, what, 20 years later, that she said, you're the guy with the red hair. And she stood up right in the middle of the church service. I, I said, what guy with the red hair? She said, you're the one. And she had been praying for this guy for years. And here I was pastoring her life. Oh, 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 okay. But then what caused you to go back to the same mental institution the next day? Why did you do that? I'm in Florida. I escape. I go to Florida. And I remember talking to God the second time. The first time was on the carpet when I asked him into my heart, which I didn't even know I was doing that. But the second time, I'm down in Fort Lauderdale, and I have a new passport. I've got money in a – all I have to do is go to the P.O. box. It was opened up in a fictitious name, and I'm ready to go right into Columbia because we were involved with Colombian people. And I got this thought, if God's really real – I want to go back to Delta with a clean bill of mental health. And I, I thought, okay, God. And I remember saying it to him, if you're really real, if this is real, and I wasn't sure it was, I want to go back to Delaware. I want to get a free, clean bill of mental health. I don't want anything to interfere. So next thing I know, I travel back to Delaware, knock on – there's a lot of things happen, but I knock on the mental hospital door, and I say, look. They said, what are you doing here? It turned out there was a contract on my life that I found out from a mafia group up in Philadelphia. 
I had an all-state APB on me, armed and dangerous, because there was a gun store that had been robbed, and they thought that I did it. They also thought, the, the organized crime group thought I turned state's evidence. That's why I was vanished out of sight immediately. So I'm knocking on the door, and everybody knows I'm wanted. Everybody knows they're ready to just shoot the kill if they find me. And I, I'm standing there, and I said, look, just let me back in. All I ask you to do is give me no drugs. Let me be in an open ward, and I want to show you that I'm seen. So they said, well, come on in. We've been looking for you. The state police were looking for you. The all-state APB out on you. So I walked back in there, and it took several months. But they went through every test possible, and they could find nothing wrong with me. So there was a complete documented total behavioral change. They have no idea how and why I became sane. But, but then – but then the story goes on. He 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 gets married, uh, and had, he goes to a party, and he hadn't been really discipled. Uh, and he takes one joint, and he goes berserk again. His new wife says, "I don't want anything more to do with you." She is going to divorce him. In court at the divorce, uh, what did you say? You know, I knew that love had more power than anything else. So I went to the judge, and the judge asked me, he said, do you have anything to say? I said, yes, I'd like to open up the Bible. He said, we don't open up the Bible. We, we only put our hand on it. I said, sir, I said, this is my divorce. I want to open up the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He said, well, if you must, go ahead. So I opened up the Bible, and it says, but if she depart, let her depart, but let her remain unmarried or be reconciled unto her husband. So I said, I want her on the court record today that I'm only going to permit her to be reconciled to me. So he looks at me, and he says, you're crazy. And he looks over at Faye, and he says, I see why you divorced him. And, of course, the court stenographer's taking down all the documentation of me making a statement out of the Scripture. And there it was in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 7, in the court documents, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And that's exactly what I told the judge. I said, she'll only remarry me. And then as Faye and I are walking out of the, out of the courthouse, she got her divorce. That's what she wanted. I took her out to lunch. I said, well, there's nobody else interested in you. I, I'm amazed she went out to lunch with you. Yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah. She was like, like, what? What? You're crazy. And she went to lunch with me. It was the craziest thing. She was like, like, how? But, but you know what? She began to see because, number one, Gary prayed. Number two, Gary believed. And she was ready to marry him again after the divorce, an absolute miracle. But she was fearful. And this is one of the many things that Gary has observed. He's, he's a senior pastor now. I've been to his congregation uh, in Newcastle, Delaware, Victory uh, uh, Christian Church. Uh, and she was fearful. But Gary began to see she was able to make fear bow in her life. And Gary wants you to make fear bow in your life. I had such a radical experience and change of life experience with Jesus. I knew the reality of the devil. I knew the reality of God. And you the same. 
you had such a radical transformation in, in uh, you and you were a dead man and you came back to life as far as I'm concerned. And the same thing is true for me. But I, you know, I think everyone is that way. And I'm beginning to find in this culture, in this age that we're living in right now, most people that say they're Christians I, they're not, they're, you know, they're, all they are are churchgoers or their parents were Christian. Uh, and um, people need a lot of help. You sure do. And this is a time where we can be the greatest assistance to that, that cloak of darkness that has obscured the mind and, and perception of people. People have come again to a, a spirit of bondage again to fear, where they become more identified with what holds them than the Jesus in power that has released them. This day, I'm telling you, Sid, there's a word of the living God to your people. The people that are listening today, the word of God is speaking in my spirit with authority. And I declare to you that the yoke of oppression, the mental derision, the confusion and torment that has been assigned against you by the kingdom of darkness is banished in the name Jesus. I demand with the word of the living God, the cloak of mediocrity is broken in Jesus' name. I demand in the name of Jesus the oppression that has bound people to indifference and passivity. Loose your hold in Jesus' name. I declare with the word of the living God the rebuke of all oppression that causes man's heart to cower in fear. And I demand with the name of Jesus and all power of his resurrection, the living God on the inside is arising in power and strength, and I speak the release of that grace. Manifest in the children of God, releasing them from all indifference and passivity to do the will and purpose of God in this earth. And I decree it now, declare it now in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, I can feel the power on that. But what a transformation for Gary Whetstone. I mean, he, w- he was going to uh, literally have an electronic lobotomy, have his mind reduced to a three-year-old through a series of miracles, one after another. Uh, he had lost his wife. He had, lo- he had lost everything in life. Uh, so Gary gets divorced. But then a major miracle happens. And he gets remarried in 76 to his wife, Faye. Uh, he's, he's involved now in a multi-million dollar business. He graduates Rama Bible College. He gets an earned doctorate degree. I mean, that's what a real experience with Jesus is going to do for someone, a radical transformation. He's now senior pastor of Victory Christian Church in Newcastle, Delaware. Um, and Gary... I am so concerned over there being a distinction between Christians and the world. Right now, there is not a distinction between the two, but there is coming a separation. And one of the things that are holding most Christians back, even real Christians, by the way, is a spirit of fear. And I'm reminded uh, of a scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So therefore, if someone has a spirit of fear, it's not from God. But, and I believe the implication is, but God's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. And that's that to me is what your series, Make Fear Bow, the book and the four CDs will accomplish for people. Uh, tell me how you originally started studying on fear and, uh, and how this book came into being. 
Sid, I was pastoring the church, and I took 2,000 of our prayer requests. I was doing a uh, a prayer conference over in Earl's Court in the arena over in London. And as I was preparing my heart for the, the prayer conference and teaching and training in prayer, I took these 2,000 prayer requests and started praying over them from the, from the local church that I pastor. And I saw 80% of every one of the prayer requests were rooted in fear. I have a, an acronym that kind of brings it to light. It's false evidence appearing real. It's information that is lodged into the mind, in the consciousness, perception, whether it's historic, trusting in the arm of the flesh, the enemy speaking, or some historic environment that they have become familiar to or participating with. And that fear ends up becoming the norm in their life. And when I got done seeing that, I went into that prayer conference, and the Spirit of God spoke to me to research every cause of fear, all the effects that it has in the Word of God, where it comes from, how it works in people, why does it work in people, what are the answers that God has given to us so we can conquer this ominous oppression. God's declared to us that we have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, but one of power that we can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, he's our God, and experience the simplicity of his supernatural intervention in our life. We have seen fear bow in supernatural ways. Now, now you're not just talking in a test tube type of environment uh, like a college professor. Uh, You have had death sentences declared by doctors over you for cancer. Tell me about one of them. Sid, just recently, I have had a when this was back oh was it three and a half years ago I'm in Nigeria coming up a hill and I can't breathe I'm looking at a piece of property because we have Bible schools around the world and and as I'm coming up the hill I, I I'm motioning to a guy next to me to do CPR so I fly back to America and I go to a pulmonologist and he says Gary you have lung cancer you have three months to live and this is three years ago I said what. I said, I don't have lung cancer. He says, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. I said, look, I looked at the doctor right in the eye, just like I'm talking. I said, look, I prayed. I saw my death, and this is not how I die. He said, I need to put you on chemotherapy and radiation immediately to prolong this. I said, no, this is not lung cancer. I'm telling you, I know God. I know my body, and I know what God's saying, and this is not it. So this, I got an argument with the doctor, and he says, well, he says, okay. I'm going to have to do a biopsy because you have such restricted airflow on and on and on. Long story short, he goes in, takes a biopsy of it, and it turns out to be a disease called sarcoidosis. And they found 80 tumors in my lungs, some the size of the end of my thumb. Did I hear you say 80? Eight all? Eight zero in wow. the mediastinum region, which is from the center of your, your thorax down to the center of your stomach, that mediastinum region. And it was filled with these tumors, but they weren't cancerous. So I said to him, I said, well, I told you I wasn't going to die from it. He said, but Gary, this kills you. You can't live with this. So they gave me steroids, but I said, what does that do? He said, there's no known cure for this. So I get a hold of God, and I said, God, this, I saw my death. I refuse to accept a counterfeit. You know, the fear of death holds people such cowardice bondage. They're afraid to ask God to show them their death. I cannot imagine why, because death is like just one step from one room to another in the kingdom of God. It's just we shed this earth suit. At any rate, so I, I, next thing you know, here it is. Three years later, they do another CT scan of my lungs, and now they've only found two the size of the point of a pin out of 80. They're all gone. 
but two little tiny nodules the size of a pinpoint. And I said, you know, I told, went back to the doctor. He said, you know, you are the only white man that is in any record in this entire eastern region. You are a test case, and we have no reason or no cause or any possible reason why you didn't die from this. I said, let me tell you, it's because God showed me my death, and this is not going to kill me. But you had a perfect opportunity to get into fear. Uh, you, you hung tenaciously onto the Word of God. You put that at a higher level than even the doctor, it sounds like. You know, if you know what God has spoken, you know, when Peter, at the end, when Jesus, before he ascended, he showed Peter the death he was to die. So Peter saw it. He knew it. So there was no possibility of a counterfeit. When they went to kill Jesus, he walked through the midst of them because his time wasn't yet. We are the body of Christ, Sid. Believers that are listening today, you are the body of Christ. You are not permitted to bow to fear and let the enemy use the false evidence appearing real and bring in the torment of confusion and uncertainties and doubts and cripple you and de- defeat you by the influence of darkness. You are ordained by God to rise up in power in the name of Jesus and crush the fear that has tried to cripple and defeat you. Yeah, you know, one of the things you point out is that when someone has an area of fear, that's actually their area that God wants to use them, their strength. And because they have that stronghold in that one particular area, they're not going to achieve their destiny. Every time the enemy, the enemy knows Fear is to Satan what faith is to God. So if the enemy can put fear on somebody, and that person conquers it through the love and the nature of Christ, that testimony of conquering gives them the confidence to conquer every other area. Sid, I've seen it working in finances. I've watched millions of dollars flow into my hands as I've conquered the fear of financial torment. I've watched people with blind eyes, God creating eyeballs as the fear of what if God doesn't show up and recognizing I'm the body of Christ. Of course God is showing up. You can't send your body and the person not be there. Uh, Gary, you said over the last 10 years, fear is non-existent in your life. How would you like to be able to make that statement 10 years from now? If you get a hold of the book, Make Fear Bow, and the four CDs, and listen to the teaching and do what he says, you will not miss your destiny. Uh, Tell me very, very briefly about the woman who had the fear of crossing bridges. Oh, she, she had this fear of going over bridges and would just sweat and have tremendous perspiration, get drivers to take her over. And one day she was on top of the bridge. And as she was on top of the bridge, she heard the Spirit of God speak to her, I love you. That love, perfect love, cast out all fear. It ended right there. Never again has she ever feared going over that bridge. I, I, I have to tell you something. When I've listened to his tapes, uh, you feel like Superman, but you should because you have someone greater than Superman inside of you. You have Jesus inside of you. The book, the four CDs called Make Fear Bow, available for a gift of $45. Call our order only line, one 800 447 2697 one 447 
1-800-273-8697. One of the things, Gary Whetstone, that uh, many people are suffering from is an absolute terror and fear of finances. But before uh, we talk about this, this book that you wrote, this research that you did, you didn't just do it because there was a need. You really felt God's hand on this. Explain. God gave me a mandate to research every cause and effect in the Word of God that deals with fear, how it affected everyone biblically from the Old Testament patriarchs to our current day apostles that we read in the New Testament. And it unveiled the major causes of fear and how to see them clearly in their operation. You know, the the word fear, and I I found that there is an acronym that that kind of brings it clear to understanding. It is F, false, E, evidence, A, appearing, R, real, fear, false, evidence, appearing, real. Whenever a person trust in their history, in their flesh. They only have something that they know or they've done before. And therefore, there is evidence that's there. And to step out into something new or something that God initiates, they feel the restriction. I'm going to give you a scripture in just a moment. There's another cause that fear is here. And these are the four major factors that I discovered in the Word of God that will change everyone's life. A, it is trusting the flesh. Believe it is, B, number two, is believing information as it naturally appears. Reports, a doctor's report, a financial report, any report that comes. Number three is the sensory reactions that occur. When my senses are affected and fear is a reaction. And number four, it is entertaining evil imagery. Pictures that are in our mind, pictures of falling off a cliff, falling off a bridge, pictures of dying of suffocation, of having injury in life. And by the way, these pictures are easy to come by if you just watch television or go to movies or or get on the Internet. What about the, the addiction that's going on now with pornography? They say that's a worse addiction than heroin. It is more profitable for those that are producing pornography than many of the major corporations out there because of the addictive nature of that imagery of the mind. Listen to this scripture. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, God. Whenever a person identifies limitation, that's where fear is the result. If, if I wake up in the morning and I perceive I'm only going to make so much money today because this is my payroll, I will then have fear to step out in new decisions. I'm going to give you an example. I worked. I owned my own corporations. We were bringing in about $10 million a year. And one day I'm in a board meeting, and God speaks to me, go in and resign. This company made up one-fourth of all my income. And I I heard God put in my heart, resign. I thought, but that's going to be 25% of, I've got 40 employees. I've got trucks. We've got retail stores all over, manufacturers, repping business. I've got five corporations under me, and this represents 25% of our business. And I said, God what do I do next? And I heard the voice of God say, give them the representation of their product from the Mississippi all the way to Maine. 
I never did that before, said I had no idea how to do that. But I walked into the board meeting. I said, gentlemen, I'd like to let you know today I appreciate being here, but I'm resigning as your wholesale distributor in this four-state region, which was Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. They just about passed out because I was about 20% of their sales. And they said, you can't. What? What?" I said, but what I'm going to offer you is the entire Mississippi to Maine territory, and all I want is 15% commission. I said, but you don't have to answer me right now. I'll stay in my hotel for another hour or two before I fly back. You can call me and send me the contract. I appreciate our time together, and I walked out. No fear. No fear of losing 25%. I get a phone call back in my hotel room. They agree to it. That one agreement created over $250,000 in profit the next year. Instantaneous manifestation of revenue without any expense, no warehousing, no wholesaling, no employees. But, but fear would have stopped you from doing that. But why did God want you to do it? I'm curious. Well, I was always supporting the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was always taking not just a tenth of our income. But we were selling heating equipment, and I was going into the the homeless, the people that had needs. We were providing heating systems for them, and I just wanted to see money flood the kingdom of God. It had to go for the kingdom of God. I wasn't in ministry yet. I was still working in the working world, but everything I knew I lived for was to see the kingdom of God advance. And that's what he said. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. I believe people get creative thoughts constantly from God, but because of fear, they don't take action on them. They are so familiar with the limitations that they live in that the false evidence appearing real is the standard they live by. Fear becomes their faith, and they are resistant to the voice of God. Uh, can, can, I, can I tell you something? I was so fearful in a lot of the things that I've done in the ministry I'm in. But I so trusted God that it trumped my fear. But I know as a fact, if I hadn't trusted God, I would never have had this ministry that God's entrusted to me today. Never. Absolutely not. If we ever allow our history to dictate our next steps, we will never take the steps God's ordained. Because bondage is what we're familiar with. It's what we're comfortable with. So many people think faith is about getting free from conflict. Faith isn't about getting free from conflict. Faith is about conquering your next opposition. It's about seizing new territory. It's about taking what God has given to you as an inheritance and crippling everything that has defeated and demeaned you. People are held by fear in their relationships. They're afraid to speak a word to their teenagers because they're afraid of the repercussions of it. People are afraid to exude love because they're afraid to be hurt. People are afraid of taking out and stepping out financially, even trusting God in giving, because they think that, you know, what, what happens when the money's gone? What, how's God going to get it to me? Fear has had such an overwhelming, crippling effect. It has clipped people at the knees and reduced them to bow to that power. Uh, give me uh, an example in your life. For instance, uh, you're a pastor. You've got to uh, get a new church. It's going to cost four and a half million dollars. It might, you know, it might have, uh, it, that was an impossibility in the natural. Uh, 
what did you do so you didn't bow to fear? God, I'm in early morning prayer, and I needed $1 million in cash within just like a month or two. I mean, this thing was very close in time, and I had no money. And God spoke to me, go out in the parking lot, face the church. I looked at this building, $4.5 million building. It is screaming at me. God then spoke to my heart. He said, go downtown Wilmington. I drive down Wilmington, and I look at these high-rise buildings, and they weren't saying anything to me. And God spoke to my spirit. He said, make that building speak like those buildings. The other buildings were $50, $200 million buildings. So I went back to the building, and I commanded you to bow in the name of Jesus. I commanded that fear to come out and loose its hold for my life. And I got the voice of the building to silence. The next thing that happened was an overwhelming thought of inviting 20 families into my living room. One of them, we were just paying their electric bill the month before. Another one, I helped bail out of prison because she had been arrested for prostitution. Another one, they had just been in a car accident and had no possibility of getting their food together. We've been feeding them. And I went through these 20— So so this is the group you gathered to get your four and a half million? (laughs) (laughs) That's cuckoo. Yeah, I mean, really, you think, you know, you'd think, you'd think you'd invite the people that have the money who had the influence. And God said, you select the people I tell you, bring them to your living room. We all got together in the living room. We started praying, worshiping God. And I said, now I want to tell you why you're here. God spoke to me that every one of you is going to give $20,000 each into this building project. We're going to stand up on Sunday make a decree before the church. They're going to give the other half a million dollars. We're going to make this million dollars manifest in the next 30 days. They looked at me, and the one lady that I I helped bail out of jail, she said, you know what? If he didn't come up with that extra money, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I'm just going to believe God with him. They all agreed just to believe God with me. Do you know, within that time, all the money manifested. One of the families that were there gave $80,000 within 90 days. How could they do that? They had money pouring in from all kinds of dimensions. I mean, just out of nowhere. One person, the one that got in the car accident, it was just a little fender bender. They had hurt their leg. They ended up having a quick insurance settlement for $60,000 because of a bump on the leg. Didn't even get any surgery. <laughs> Another person ended up, I don't know how they got the money. They just ended up with $100,000. It was just a floodgate of money poured into people. Okay, and here, here's the thing you must understand. God is not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of truth, spiritual truth. And it's time that whatever area in your life that you're not able to get a victory in. It's time to make fear bow. Some people are storing food. Others are storing guns. um, Others are storing money. Others are buying gold and silver. And I, I recommend people do whatever God directs them to do. But a lot of them that are doing this, Gary, are doing it because of fear that we're living in the last days. What would you say to these people that are so fearful? You know, the thing that God has spoken in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And if you think about every other plan that is induced to create a false security, 
false securities is one of the greatest instruments of the enemy to trust in the arm of the flesh. If you think that gold is going to be a secure place, you are greatly, greatly forsaken because it says gold will fail. Well, you know what? I think a lot of people are putting these things and making them their God rather than God their God. Absolutely. And because of the false imagery, because of the evil imaginations, you think about it. God's commanded us in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, he says to pull down imaginations, casting every, every high thing, every stronghold, an imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Satan wants to get our faith, and fear is one of the greatest tools the enemy uses to get it. He creates an, an attack of a, a bump on your body. Next thing you know, you're thinking, oh, I've got skin cancer. You end up having a a layoff or a cutback in your employment, and you think, oh, my God, I'm not going to have any more money. Well, the fact of the matter is God's just setting you up for promotion. He's giving you exactly what Jesus said he does when you're going to bring forth more fruit. He's cutting the tree back so it'll be pruned. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He said, how this works is the father's a husband. He trims the branch. But what the enemy does is interpret it as a fear and then make us look at at some natural way or some imagination of our mind that we can trust in, trust in gold, trust in our education, trust in some favoritism of somebody that is able to get us a job, rather than trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. The greatest crippling effect that takes place in the body of Christ is the pictures that take place in our mind. In the book I've written called Make Fear Bow deals with how to identify these evil imageries, how to see what has been set up that caused the mind to induce, perceive, and conceive a way in which I am going to be limited. We know God didn't give us a spirit of fear. We know that we do not have the spirit of bondage again to fear. You know, Gary, I've met some people uh, that I think are so gifted to speak publicly for the Lord but they're afraid to get behind a microphone, and they're never going to find out they're so gifted. If they don't put that fear under their feet, they will never know the Almighty God within them. And I'm speaking to you right now that are listening. This day, there is the anointing of the living God to break the yoke of fear, break the imageries over the mind, break the torment. Some of us live in a a mindset where our families have had disease, and therefore we know we're going to die of it. How do you know you're going to die of it? Because somebody said you have a, a signal going off in your DNA? No. You know you're going to have long life. God is going to satisfy you and show you his salvation. You know that God has given you the capacity, the vision of God to step up, stand out, and to speak out with the word of God. This is God's time in your life to put everything that's been assaulting, acknowledging, and obstructing the word of God in you and bring it down in the name of Jesus. We have that power. We are endowed by God, not only through his nature, but through the name of Jesus to be able to cripple and to notify every principality and power of the air that I am coming forward into my future. God is favoring me to fulfill every promise he has manifest in his word, and God God's nature is going to perform every word he's spoken, and there is no fail with the God I serve. 
That's the life we live. We do not live a life that is crippled and bound by the appearances of things. We can release ourselves from the self-dependencies. We're not set here to repeat our past. We're not bowed to the enemy to live under the grip of financial duress and fear of somebody saying the middle class is being wiped out. Who called me middle class? I am the head above only and not beneath. I never was part of the middle class. I am part of the highest class that God has, a <laughs> child of the living God, a royal priesthood. We have let the voice of politicians, the voice of economic doom and gloom, the voice of fear and terror and torment, lack and want become a constant in our life, and God has ordained us to triumph in victory in the mighty name of Jesus. Bando for the word of the living God has come today to open your eyes to see, to open your ears to hear, to endow your heart with power, impel you to action and move out to do what you've not done. For the word of the Lord is within you and strength and power to do the exploits set before you. So what limitation does someone have that you're speaking to right now? What limitation do they have? I'm watching it right now. I'm watching people afraid to speak and step out in their financial f factor. They're, it's God's time to break the bands over that financial grip that that employer has had. The torment of your education saying you can only earn this much. The fear I'm watching right now, fears in family, fear that we're not going to see restoration in our sibling and our relationships, fear that our children are bound and going into rebellion. We can't see them delivered. Jesus. Uh, what about fear of divorce? Oh, the fear that I've broken it so bad that I can't see restoration? Perfect love, cast out all fear. We are endowed by God with the supernatural ability to conquer the atmosphere around people's lives. Sid, if people know the authority they have in Christ Jesus, they will rule the atmosphere. They will subdue the tormentors that are even speaking to their spouse, shut the enemy up, and the spouse will not be hearing the enemy. That's our authority. But, but wait, are these going to be bad times for people living in the last days where the economy is collapsing, disease is running rampant, uh, families are being destroyed, uh, is there really hope? I mean, are these the worst days for believers? They're not the worst days. These are the best. We shine in oppression. The church comes forth and shines as the brightest light in the greatest darkness that exists. When the oppression is the most ominous is when Christ shines the brightest. My beloved brother and sister that are listening today, I'm speaking to you no matter what the darkness, no matter what the terror, no matter what the torment, no matter what the fear, the Christ Almighty in power, wisdom, and love in you is greater. Do not ever let him who is within you become restricted by anything outside of you. You're made more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You're listening from a man that has tested God's word and made fear bow in every arena of his life. Uh, I mean, when you get a death sentence from a doctor, there's probably no fear, more fearful thing than someone can, can get. But you've had two death sentences from doctors, That's right. not counting all the other things you've gone through. Uh, and if God would have fear bow in his life, God will do it for you. As I like to say, anything God will do for me, he'll do more for you. 
because there's no limit to God. The limit is only you and a lack of knowledge. So I really urge you to get this book, Make Fear Bow, four CDs titled Make Fear Bow. What feedback are you getting from people that are reading the book and listening to your teaching? Uh, I'll tell you, the teaching of Make Fear Bow has become a standard in many Bible colleges now because there's no other book that clearly unveils all the causes and effects of fear. We're watching psychologists using the book and helping people face psychosis, of which they call it, which is nothing more than fear, and break the bands of that oppression in their life. The Word of God is never failing. I have one lady in our church that just was listening to teaching. I was teaching on fear the other day. She had been watching us on the internet, sitting in her house for six years. I didn't even not, I did not know this. God said to me in my spirit, you who are sitting at home bound, I command you get out of your house and get in this house of God right now. She got out. And when she got up off that bed, the oppression left her, the confusion, all the physical infirmity left her. She's been in the church every Sunday. You know, you teach about believing and meditating on the Word, but most people never stand. They never move. And this is a missing ingredient. I urge you to get the book for CDs. We're calling it the Make Fear Bow Package. If it'll work for Gary, it'll work for you. Available for a gift of $45. This is the Shabbat broadcast. The Lord himself is blessing you right now. The Lord himself is keeping you right now. The Lord himself, he's smiling upon you right now. The Lord himself is surrounding you like a shield, like a wall of favor right now. The Lord himself is gifting you right now. The Lord himself is healing you right now. Someone's back, their spine has been totally straightened. Pain is gone from every area of your back. New new vertebrae are being put in, in Jesus' name. And I tell you, it's all being done in the name that is above every name. Yeshua HaMashiach Sikinu. Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 888-627-7888. 
1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.